Hello and welcome to Meaningful Conversation. In today's episode we have Ewan, occupational therapist, talking to us about occupational performance coaching and how this intervention was piloted at Bants OT as part of the Scottish Government's Communities Mental Health and Wellbeing Fund. Both Ewan and I talk about what OPC is, its background, the potential for this intervention across different healthcare settings and we give an example about a case, M. This pilot project is also available to read as part of a written report on our website under the Social Impact tab. And finally, myself and Ewan make recommendations for what needs to be considered when doing OPC in practice. could probably just kind of go from welcoming you to the podcast and um i don't you've not done one previously have you we did we kind of missed you out for the um kind of meet the team type thing um but we could go back and do that i think it is important to show on another episode um the journey you had from being on placement um Mm -hmm. um that was about a year ago wasn't it you probably finished coming up about a year ago and then just kind of what you've been doing well even just your reflections from placement and then what you've been doing now and up until now as well so that would Mm -hmm. definitely be interesting to capture that on a different uh, episode as well okay yeah yeah no that'd be perfect yeah to be honest i I kind of feel like we have been talking about doing a podcast for probably since i was on placement for quite a while haven't we yeah it's always on my mind to do these and to kind of um share a lot of updates and things like this um and every time i do one then i think yeah i'm gonna do some more and then i get just busy and then I think a blog's better and you know whatever but I think um you know the more that we do the better and I think this this one being about um coaching um uh and the pilot we've done as part of the mental health fund and everything would be really really good to kind of share some of these updates um I think obviously what I've done is um create uh quite a long 19 page report about the pilot project for the occupational performance coaching um, that's going to be made available on the website separate to that was just a wider social impact report about the mental health fund so that's mm-hmm. all available on there and that's going to be you know kind of linked into um, future funding applications and that's going to be available that we're going to kind of shout about on social media all the main points from that as well so this isn't the only place that we're kind of sharing uh, the 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 project itself and hearing from you will probably try and get that in other formats as well but yeah, yeah just thought it would be interesting to invite you on here today and then just chat about um anything from i guess the coaching that you might have seen even when you were on placement for example how you maybe started hearing about the coaching through us to even the pilot that we've created um and that we've just finished the first block of and I guess interestingly now you're doing the second block of the coaching so that's you know we could look into that if that's if that's relevant as well but I guess just going back to um kind of you and coaching is it something is the OPC a kind of concept that you initially heard about on placement or I don't know if that's something that you actually heard about through your kind of uni experience before us or anything you could tell us a bit about yeah. that yeah so uh opc occupational performance coaching uh was yeah, it was brand new to me um 
to be honest, I um, I worked, uh, well, I did my dissertation sitting next to um, Andrea, um, who was a student who was at Bounced, um, I think, six months before I attended Bounce for a placement. Um, and she was um, doing her honours project or dissertation at university on occupational performance coaching and how it might be facilitated and bounced um, or how it, uh, the idea of OPC could be sort of brought into bounced as a service. Um, I'd be lying to myself and I'd be lying to you if I said that I paid it much mind. Um, obviously, we discussed it not at great length when we were doing our dissertations, but I, I did sort of know that that was the focus of Andrea's dissertation. Um, near to the end of the year, just as Andrea was finishing up our dissertation and um, creating uh, what would be uh, the occupational performance coaching um, bounced guide uh, or resource guidelines, um, I started placement bounced and essentially that would be uh, the thing that sort of steered my placement it allowed me to do um opc uh, in bounced um, with a number of different students um, that were currently on placement when i was there mm-hmm. so i actually i'm not too sure if it was the first round of um opc being sort of completed as a, a bit of a um test pilot see how um parents interacted with opc as um sort of documented by andrea in these guidelines um that were um, i'd say approved by fiona graham who's essentially the author of occupational performance coaching as it is at the moment um and so yeah it was a bit of a tester for me it was brand new um, I was doing it with a, another student, Lois, um, who really kind of helped me uh, gain confidence in doing it. Um, she started the process and occupational performance coaching, I feel like once once the ball starts rolling, um, it's a lot easier. It, I'd say it's mm-hmm. particularly particularly difficult um, for, for you to start. It's quite like the gym. Um, is if you've got if you lay the the strong foundations to to the coaching and to the sessions then it's easy enough to to keep that that ball rolling but um fortunately i had sort of support from um well yourself callum and um lois a fellow student to to keep to keep that ball rolling when i um, took that up and it wasn't until i really sort of had those discussions with the families. I started to sort of learn uh, things about occupational performance coaching and put in context to what I'd read in the the manual, the guidelines um, written by Andrea and the overarching documentation by uh, Fiona Graham that I could actually sort of see where it fit in and uh, how it could be utilised to best support families. Um, and it wasn't until, I'd say it was like six months after the original placement, um, that we've decided to go on with the pilot program and am i right mm-hmm. in saying that it was um... well yeah because i think you finished about probably august time last year wasn't it it was um yeah. and i think we put in a funding application around about october november um, and part of that funding from the mental health fund was um to do some of the opc sessions as a trial 
Um, as 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 you said, it was something that we kind of trialed by having people on placement. We had a hand, you know, probably I think maximum it was uh, you and Lois that that really kind of took forward the coaching as a um, as a service to some of the families that we work with. Other than that, it wasn't really done. Um, so we wanted to try and formalize this within a bit of a project that we were able to get a few thousand pound funding for to contribute towards the costs of setting up a bit like a service and obviously then um, getting you involved um, as an occupational therapist, obviously, um, with a registration. Um, yeah, that was, I think we were awarded the money in about November, December, something like that. And then we were talking about, okay, well, we've got the money now, let's start the project. And then yeah. you kind of went from there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly that. And it, I think it was January time that we started looking at the uh, the families that um, showed interest. Uh, and it was original. So I currently only work five, uh, one day a week. Um, at, yeah, not five days. Uh, yeah, not five days. <laughs> one day a week. Um, and uh, so all the, the families would um, be seen on the Wednesdays. Yeah. Um, and essentially, in January is when I uh, when we sent out the original sort of um, invite to uh, the service uh, or the yeah. pilot program of the service, um, and yeah, we took it from there. It, it was it was a, a definitely a a nice opportunity for me as a, a novice occupational therapist, um, looking to sort of broaden my understanding of the independent practice, the sort of third sector organisation world, um, really working more as an autonomous occupational therapist and occupational performance coach, understanding a lot more about coaching. It was a, I feel like it's it's been a really good sort of um, stepping stone for me uh, in the in the sorry, beginning phases of my career. I think it's... Yeah. It's something that I've always held sort of in great value is being in, in touch with Bounced as a service because it shows a side of occupational therapy that you don't really see very often, um, which is the independent practice side of occupational therapy. I feel like I'm, I might be stringing along the, the ways of um, aiming this towards occupational therapists, but um, I think it's important for it to be noted that it's, it's, it's an interesting um an interesting side of occupational therapy that's not often explored in the UK. Um, and it wasn't really until I went into sort of the training for occupational performance coaching, the formal training um, provided by Otago University and um, the team there with Fiona Graham leading it, that I understood that it was a lot of sort of American and New Zealand and Australian occupational therapists that were were explaining their sort of model of healthcare um and I, I, I it's quite difficult to link that in with the sort of british nhs model of healthcare so it's it's been an yeah. interesting side of uh, occupational therapy in the healthcare system and um, that i don't think i would have got in any other service. i guess in any of your role if you went if you were only solely walking in nhs or council or somewhere isn't it yeah. i think yeah. That kind of is another conversation to be had, but it's an interesting thing to consider and look at, um, I guess, even how occupational performance coaching is, you know, I guess we would we would know and we would say from our research and from the pilot and everything that occupational performance coaching is a very meaningful um, in intervention that should be used with many different parent carers and it's got the potential to be 
kind of widely used across occupational therapy and different practice areas. But I think, you know, the value that we understand OPC has um, might not be kind of fitted into, as you're saying, like healthcare systems and models here in the UK. It probably can, but it would have to be put into the, um, you know, capacities of if somebody gets a referral to OT and then they have six sessions, do you do all six sessions as coaching? Well, probably not. Therefore, do you adopt a coaching approach in your practice? And that's, you know, a kind of whole nother conversation about how you can do OPC, I guess, isn't it? But I guess from your relatively flexible approach in our kind of business model as an independent service, as you, as you were saying, but I guess also um, actually firing head with trialing and piling piloting OPC um yeah you've been able to see the flexibility of that and um the kind of potential for OPC it you know in yeah, a different yeah. setting that you might not have otherwise been able to see anyway so yeah and I I think the from from my time as a as a student um and doing trial and op- occupational performance coaching as a student I feel like um, the the take home message from that placement was occupational performance coaching isn't a quick fix, um, and it, it I think that the the idea of it being a quick fix uh, deterred a lot of sort of um, families from engaging. Um, mm. When they're at a point of crisis, the last thing someone needs is to be told to sort of think about things. I feel <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a very yeah. controversial thing to say. Uh, with occupational performance coaching because that's the sort of um the thinking behind it um but i feel when when i was i was saying that to parents it wasn't resonating i don't know if that was just me being a a novice occupational therapy not occupational therapist not being able to voice my um my thought process or the intervention and advocate for the intervention properly but i felt like when when uh, having these conversations with parents it was very much uh the the idea that they had in their head is how are you going to support me as a therapist, not how are you going to support me as a coach? Okay. Uh, and really yeah. defining roles was something that um, we saw as a, a priority going forward into this piloting session uh, and the pilot sessions and the pilot program and making sure that before the intervention started, in order to sort of, uh, I'd say, screen for appropriateness of occupational performance coaching is to to define the um the coach's role as mm-hmm. a, an occupational therapist that's utilizing coaching as a therapeutic tool mm. uh, and sorry as as a way of actually helping them so it's seen as yeah. i'm an ot doing coaching in my intervention yeah and and it's it's, it's quite an interesting thing because as an occupational therapist it's it's quite difficult to um, break away from that occupational um, therapy process, where you look at in, gathering as much information through assessment, through um, sort of observations and and typically referral uh, notes and things like that, and then looking to um, define sort of interventions that are appropriate. And then looking to measure outcome, that that sort of idea is the, the the basis of all occupational therapy practice. Whereas occupational performance coaching, you're supporting the family uh, and subsequently the the child. In my case, the child um, by proxy of the parent carer. So the assessment 
process of occupational therapy is kind of restricted um, by taking the intervention through the parent or care, if that makes sense. I I, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm explaining that right, but mm-hmm. I feel like the my input is quite limited due to the um, the fact that I'm not working with directly with the the child. Typically, the child's more than welcome to to come onto our calls. Um, but the assessment part of um, occupational therapy seems to be extremely limited in occupational performance coaching, which leaves the the ownership of assessment, I'd say. That comes through the parent or carer. When the parent or carer is continually assessing performance, that's what you're looking at in occupational performance coaching, is you're looking to increase performance um, not specifically the occupational therapist but the occupational therapist my role is to increase the parent or carer's ability to support the child's occupational performance and the way that I do that is through empowering the person or really just letting the parent or carer see the power that they have in identifying difficulties mm-hmm. problem solving implementing the solutions that they themselves have developed um, with their child and through conversation with myself and then allow them to sort of reflect on their action reflect on their problem solving re- reflect on what they're doing and adapt their plan according to their reflection and that 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 basic description is what I see occupational uh, performance coaching as is is really the coach is just reflecting the person's ability and allowing them the time to to feel feel heard feel sort of non-judged um as we've sort of said um create that non-judgment judgmental create that non-judgmental environment for the person and uh, the parent or carer to feel like they can develop their child's occupational performance goals and overcome those occupational performance difficulties. And mm-hmm. so it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one from my point of view. Um, and it's been interesting to sort of read and, and hear and speak to people about um, coaching uh, as an approach. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think that's really good points that you've made there. I was writing some things down as, you were talking as well, but I think kind of going back to what you're saying about the OT process, I think what I've noticed through myself being on different trainings um, across the, the years and um, obviously taking other people through different trainings as well is that the one kind of take home message that I always get told is how, the, um, you know, in any kind of assessment um, style that you're taking forward that typically OTs just by by nature were always quite... Um, we need to slow down because we're always kind of jumping towards, oh, okay, you said something about your fine motor skills. Oh, well, here's some activities in terms of increasing your hand grip or your hand strength or, oh, is it visual perceptual? Oh, is it this, is it that? So you're always on a kind of walking hypothesis about what things could be. Mm-hmm. But typically, and I noticed this more so as I was kind of first qualified, which again might kind of ring true with you in terms of how um, you may be always trying to automatically without maybe... Um, not well with good reason but maybe without thinking about it you're always 
trying to kind of jump ahead to help sort that problem because I guess you're almost kind of trained to do that really you're kind of trained to help adapt that for somebody or because in a medical model setting you're very much you're reacting and you're almost acting on behalf of that person sometimes because you're saying oh have you tried this have you tried that so you're always quite in a way of kind of jumping ahead to find a solution to something because that's kind of what OTs are good at because you know you know you're quite we're quite creative in our mindset in terms of how we can achieve an outcome or a goal whereas I think the occupational performance coaching almost challenges that in a way that it challenges us to um you know slow down and actually put it back onto other people which again as you said not many people on the other end of that if they are feeling like they really need help then they can't see the value in occupational performance coaching all of the time as such and I think that was something that you experienced as part of your pilot wasn't it and I think there's just um anyway that was a bit about the OT process that I was thinking of but you were kind of using all these buzzwords and all these keywords about kind of occupational performance coaching which I think is really true and I was writing down treating them as professionals meaning the parents and carers because I guess that's what we've always said is a common theme from the training that you and I have both done in occupational performance coaching or if it's um, any kind of articles that we're reading or anything like that it's always these kind of keywords that it keeps coming back to is almost about kind of having you know letting the parents carers kind of have a non-judgmental safe kind of confidential space to talk about um their feelings or their concerns about um their child's needs or any kind of behaviors that they find that are challenging as well and then um you know i guess it's then how that's put onto that way of well okay we'll treat them as the professionals and you know work with them with our ot kind of skills and knowledge but Mm -hmm. it's it's about putting them in the forefront of okay well we can give you some ideas about X, Y, and Z, or yeah, you want to be that therapist that's still providing the support that's necessary, but doing it in a, in a way that you're not this kind of hierarchical therapist, not that anybody really even intends to be, but I just think services are built in the way that it's about information. Yeah. Given or, you know, it's kind of, it's always, you're somewhat reliant on a therapist or something like that. Whereas occupational performance coaching hence why it probably fits well as you're saying in different more independent practices etc across different kind of areas um that it's a bit more you're basically walking alongside the person instead of feeding down information or feeding down treatments as such i don't think i don't think in an opc you ever use the word treatment really do you well the, the, that's 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 kind of that's the, that's the crux of it isn't it is it's not I don't necessarily give people the solutions. I facilitate them to think off the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as, and I, I, I kind of use the analogy um, I, um, in terms of when, when, when I'm coaching, I've, I, I often ask people if they, they've had coaching in the past and it tends to be if they, people have gone to the gym um, and they've had a personal trainer. And I explain it the fact that I can take people up to the squat rack um, and I can show them how to squat, but I can't squat for them. Um, and I mean, like with with coaching, it's nice because it gives the person the opportunity to go and, and try the try and uh, solve the, the difficulty or identify what's going on. And from my point of view, I, I just get an outsider's perspective and give them sort of pointers to think about other things that they can do. So it's not it's not necessarily feeding solutions. It's very much just feeding thought. Um, and mm-hmm. that that all sort of came to me when I was talking about 
uh, board members who's doing research in um, in coaching as a, a leadership style. And um, she sort of pointed me onto this book. Uh, I think it's Time to Think uh, by Nancy Klein. And it's all about sort of fostering that thinking environment and, and very much um, giving the people the opportunity to to have a wee think about how how to best go forward. And I, I do think that um, with all the resources available for, for people, it can be quite difficult to, um, sorry, to feel through that. Um, and I think the luxury of occupational performance coaching is the opportunity to sort of discuss the difficulties with the practical application of particular difficulties um, and the opportunity to talk through well, where is it going wrong and why is it going wrong? And is it just that we need a wee bit more time here? Is it a wee, wee bit more time here? And and really sort of sift through the, the practical application of the information available um, and the resources and the, the problem solving available for people. Um, because sometimes the, yeah. the solution to things can be in front of people, but it's, it's difficult for them to to join or to bridge the or to, yeah yeah to kind of get to that isn't it really yeah and and i think um from from me as a as a an occupational therapist it's interesting to see what people can come up with if given the time to think about it um what what families and 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 how much effort people are willing to go to to support their families it's um it seems that people it's, it's quite an interesting thing as well um, I often notice there's usually a remarkable change in uh, kids occupational performance um, outcomes I guess um, or <laughs> occupational performance in general they, they, they seem to uh, have rapid uh, improvement in the first few weeks when of coaching because there's just a different sort of approach or a different Mm-hmm. Um, is paid to certain things and it's 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 interesting to see that um that with just sort of simple changes big sort of occupational performance changes can happen um and the the real the real nice thing about occupational performance coaching is the idea of empowering the um parent or care as you're saying to be that professional that title doesn't leave them so it following the conclusion of the sessions whether that be six sessions and uh, then we finish up there the principles that we've developed over the um, coaching sessions can be carried on into supporting other developmental occupational performance um, goals in the future because the principles that they've developed there can be taken forward um, and yeah. if not, then they can just seek sort of support from occupational therapists and and continue that sort of process if that makes sense and so it's a lot more sustainable as a as a as a model I'd say yeah I mean and that's a really good point to make I guess when people are looking at what types of services should we put money towards and why should we adopt this extra thing in our practice if what we already do works and whatever but I think there's always not going into the challenges of healthcare and services and all that, but I think as you know, the one thing that you are saying that kind of stands out to me is that it's it's a very solution focused service that can 
have long-lasting impacts for those who are taking part in occupational performance coaching and I think maybe there is something around um, you know which we've already kind of talked which we can talk about which is already in the 19 page report that I created about actually ongoing coaching even if it's just check-ins that's maybe a way of maintaining um, people walking towards their outcomes and a kind of self-management approach within practice that might be a good idea for us to take forward and maybe for other services to take forward as well so it's maybe just not again have a block of coaching the world's changed there you go move on it's you know I think it is as many people and as we actually do have some kind of research um, feedback to show from our pilot is that people are saying that it's you know people use the word life-changing and all that type of stuff whether that's you know just you know whether everybody finds it life-changing or I don't know but everybody had you know we can talk more about the kind of outcome of the pilot but you know everybody recommends it and everybody you know learned something from it from our from our uh, research of the pilot and all that as well and just from in general research about it it's always shown to be a positive thing it's always shown to be something that should be used more often and widely so I think you know what's interesting for me kind of when we were looking at pulling together this pilot and looking at pulling together okay but what next and whatever it's it's kind of less about even convincing me and convincing you and convincing families and whoever else that actually OPC is a good thing it's like I think we're all pretty sold on OPC as this great um intervention that occupational therapists um should do more of but I guess it's interesting that it's the question mark of how do we do it and how do services run it and that's you know not to talk about that now as such but I think that is where that's where the big question is of how is it going to happen how can practically people do it and I think that's something that definitely kind of needs to be looked into further as well um I've got things I've got the um report up in front of me obviously just as a bit of a kind of guidance whenever you're just kind of looking at bits to maybe jump in with and all that as well but it's it's interesting because I'm kind of on the page on the topic that I've written about research and theory and I think you know you've kind of hit the nail on the head and you know if anybody's listening to this and wants to read the report it's on our website under social impact obviously as well but I think there's you know we really just pulled together the the main bits that we could kind of we could find from different research across the years and whatever but I think you know I'm kind of flicking through it now as I'm reading it and I just think there's all these keywords that we've used about you know um solution focused strength-based um enabling parents and carers to be the professionals relying less on external support from others in the future and um you know this being a very kind of occupation-centered and top-down approach this is just for the OTs listening to this, but with it being a top-down occupation kind of centered approach, um, it relates to occupational therapy practice um, as the kind of use of occupation is kind of central to everything that you're doing. And, the, you know, you're almost, your measurement of the outcomes is related to mean, meaningful activities. It's related to kind of the performance of people doing tasks or things that are meaningful to them as well. So I think it's such a, you know, coaching isn't just for OTs and coaching has been around, as you said, you know, there's other people who that have done this for years or there's other people that have done this for, um, you know, research in different disciplines or areas. But I think that, you know, maybe the one difference with OPC is that it's, you know, got occupation and occupational performance at its absolute core. So it's 
a kind of you know for me a, a no-brainer to to think of um taking this into your practice i think maybe people would argue that coaching the approach of coaching and the approach of working with others equally and putting them into the kind of you know treating them as a professional no that isn't new necessarily maybe people feel like they've done that in their practice for for ages but i guess it's really this concept and this kind of i guess a, a model a theory isn't it o, o, opc that's that's what's what's new ish yeah so. yeah and it is it's, it's really new i think the pilot program for um for the actual establishment of it um, OPC and documents was in 2010 uh, to 2013, I believe, and um, the manual for occupational performance coaching was written uh, in 2021 um, in New Zealand. So it's 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 not um, it's not that this sort of idea has been going on for centuries. It's it's really it's really quite a, a new idea. Whereas leadership and um, coaching of have been quite sort of synonymous and um different different sorry yeah, applications of coaching as, a, as an approach is uh, it's quite well known um yeah. especially in the business and leadership world um but how that applies to healthcare and um i think i think it's going to be more and more sort of prevalent as the the idea of sustainability in healthcare and the the ownership of um the ownership of triage i'd say gets shifted from the the healthcare professional to the person um and i don't know i don't i might be i might be talking uh rubbish here yeah yeah but like i think that the 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 sustainability of it is is important for going forward essentially i think that if the person can identify where to get support and how effective the support that they'll be getting is there then you know what i mean <laughs> we can cut this bit <laughs> but um, but the yeah it's important for the person to to be able to identify the difficulty and where to go when yeah yeah i mean and that's that's part of kind of you know the self-management and everything isn't it so people yeah. kind of are just reliant and waiting on waiting lists for so long and then being told that they can or can't get something as well so i think the whole process and the whole um ot process the whole healthcare process as well yeah should be um should be thought of and if you've had um i'm just kind of jumping to opc but yeah if you've had opc and all that um previously then you know um and you've got the tools and whatever to be able to overcome challenges a bit more on your own without necessarily requiring the help of um, specialist OTs and all that kind of often in new situations, then if that's transferable to other um, parts of your life or your child's life and things like that, then I think then that's um, something where OPC should be considered almost as a kind of standard practice, but then also um, like what we've said, obviously in the end of our um, pilot, we're kind of saying okay well should all these families not get a bit of an update and some families have said they would love it just to check in in a few months or something like that so there's different ways of how you can kind of carry that on and how you can make things like opc a bit more uh long lasting and the impacts of it a bit more long lasting as well that so. completely makes sense to it from my point of view it completely makes sense because 
it's it's easy enough to 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 learn those processes but even as an occupational therapist in any professional state you you can you continue to develop your um your understanding and and it'd save if there was a checkup even if it was 15 minutes it'd save them from sort of going down a um keep them on track essentially just keep them on mm-hmm. track um, over a longer period of time which makes complete and utter sense um from my point of view after yeah. coaching um I think what what's interesting is that um, as I'm flicking through the report that I'm also half looking at as well, but obviously you've already talked about how the potential for OPC was previously um, identified in the service by um, obviously different people that we had involved, either piloting it as a um, as part of their placement, or there was um, Andrea who completed in um, the guide to occupational performance coaching, like a manual that then was um, approved by. Uh, Fiona Graham as well which was really really great to have that approved so that you've kind of touched upon that but I think what's interesting um, that almost led to the pilot which we could like look at the pilot next and in a bit more detail is you know I've put things here that from me having done X amount of research in this field um, also just writing funding applications to show the need for why things like OPC and other other um, services like OPC are, are needed is, you know, I've kind of said things here about it's well documented across research and direct feedback from parents and carers that we work with um, that, you know, they are the ones at a higher risk of kind of suffering mental health challenges. And that's mainly as a result of their significantly increased parenting role, but maybe the shift from kind of identification and self-identity of parent to um, a carer, which obviously has its own kind of complexities anyway but I think it's interesting that again this is from research and everything as well that there are services that provide kind of support to parent carers as well so it's not as if they're not out there but at the same time it's been noted that a lot of these services are either quite education or information workshops focused about their child's needs or conditions some have said that they feel quite patronizing that parents are kind of being taught how to be better parents as well, which I know that's part of obviously what parents, you know, even ask for that. They're just like, how do I support my child better and everything? But I think it's the overarching thing for me is that a lot of these services still seem to be for the overall benefit of the child in many ways. So rather than aiming to improve the health and well-being of the parent carers themselves, it's very much still okay we'll do this because this will help your child with x y and z um which obviously has a real place and especially when you're looking at it from a medical model that needs to be in place and the parent carers are the primary people that need to know that um but there's almost little to no kind of um what's the word um working at the same time is what i'm trying to say between you know working with the families about their mental health and working with the children and young people about their needs whether that's physical or mental health as well so I don't know if there's kind of services that dual support that in in many ways but I feel like OPC also has the kind of potential to be adopting that holistic approach when in many ways OPC you could almost argue that some of the challenges that a parent identifies could actually also be about the way that they themselves perceive um, the child's challenging behavior, if that's what they are identifying, or 
it's about maybe their it's the tools that they need to kind of manage or overcome a challenge so always what i think about opc is that yes it's about and research mainly obviously shows that it can help improve a child's um functional ability to complete x y and z more independently or something obviously that's what a lot of kind of research focuses on but again one of the kind of main points i've made in the report here is that i've um said you know opc has the power to kind of be so much more than an educational um approach or simply giving the tools for self-management to the parents it's actually opc could um make sure that therapist works directly with and alongside the parent carers to overcome the challenges and set meaningful goals that they choose so actually it could be about how even the parent carers deal with the challenging situations that or what they perceive to be challenging situations for their own health and well-being and not only just thinking about the needs of what needs to be in place for their child so it's kind of opc has the potential to view the parent carers as people again from a kind of self-identification perspective um out with their role as being a parent or a carer so you have to kind of consider that parent carers likes dislikes interests motivations their own life you need to see them as a person it's not then just okay that's parent this is what you can do to help your child type thing you know what and that's where i think it kind of crosses the boundaries of um it could be pure you could argue that opc could almost purely be for the benefit of the parent carers as well as improving the occupational performance of the child as well you could very much as, as well measure an opc the kind of increased performance of that parent you know couldn't you as well mm-hmm. i don't know whether that's something that you've seen as part of the pilot or not we could go into a bit more about the pilot now but i don't know if that's something that kind of resonates with you as well about it almost kind of being for it's a beneficial thing for for both not just for one one yeah. party almost no, definitely. I think that, that was something that, um, that did sort of come up as a bit of a theme uh, within parents uh, in conversations with parents is the, uh, especially over COVID uh, and 2020-2021 period when a lot of these peer support groups, they, they, they were less and less available to parents and um, what, what that what the subsequent impact of that was um, for for parents to bounce ideas off of each other, for parents to sort of voice their their sort of um, opinions and um, their experiences on, on certain things, and um, yeah, you I think a lot of... from like like each other as well, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, it's, you yeah. Know, most exactly. most of the parents I've I've worked with here as well say that oh, it's great learning from the OT about this and that, but oh, really half the meaningful things we try at home and we do is actually from learning from other parents that have been there and tried it as well. So I think there's so much so much there about um, kind of helping each other and all that as well, as, as you're saying, um, in those in those kind of peer-to-peer settings and groups. And I've, I say this all the time, it's I can't, you can't teach lived experience. It's invaluable. It's important to have these conversations with people who are in similar situations because it puts context to thought and it is important to, to be able to have these conversations with other parents and there's only so much an outsider to the situation can bring. Um, it is, it's, it's an important um, thing that I, th- I feel like a lot of parents um, potentially uh, could have done with over... over um, the COVID, 
COVID era. <laughs> but um, no, I, I do think a lot of the parents valued having um, someone to, to reflect their ideas off and even just have a bit of a, a conversation around how they're feeling about things and um, if they if they feel like they've, they've been parenting effectively and, and how they can go sort of forward with certain ideas and um, yeah yeah no I, I definitely think you you've hit the nail on the head like same um, yeah no that's why I definitely think think that's true as well so with the pilot the actual um I mean obviously again I'm not going to go through what my 19 page report is as well but um, <laughs> people can read that if they want to as well um but I think, I mean, as a, as a, you know, as a summary of, I guess, what I initially proposed in the pilot was, you know, that this was one of many, I'll probably separately try and do a, um, a well, I'm doing a blog, but I might try and separately do a podcast about the mental health fund overall, because there were kind of four or five different things that we did with a £10,000 grant we were given, uh, coaching being one of them, but almost, I guess, coaching being one of the most valuable um in terms of the kind of outcomes that we have been able to to seek and um uh get feed feedback on i guess so uh, coaching being a huge part of the mental health fund um you know we were kind of saying that we would we would try and um through the capacity of you as an ot and then obviously me uh supporting you through that but also getting kind of external supervision for you via liz as well um there's kind of support there to try and get as much of i think we said up to 10 parents um over kind of um i think i had said but it ended up being kind of up to eight sessions that some people got wasn't it so we've got x amount of people getting x amount of hours over weekly kind of coaching sessions and i think weekly was um is quite interesting to say here because we, we you know we did do weekly for most of the different people but obviously then the outcome was that you kind of recommend maybe not weekly as well but yeah. that was I guess what we did um, and that was the kind of targets that we set on it from the point of saying what we're going to do if we get this money and then obviously we got the money so then we've kind of been making plans the actual process you don't obviously need to go into detail about this but the process I guess of even just how you took some parents through or just how you managed the kind of process from the first call just introducing yourself to kind of carrying on uh, and wrapping people up I guess how how was that for you and what what kind of things did you did you kind of focus on in in those chats and in those kind of sessions with the families yeah yeah so to be honest just as you're saying I think um looking back at it or we did weekly sessions it's it was a big sort of learning uh, and development point for us is doing the, the pilot program it, um, seeing how the practical applications of it uh, in Bount, um, seeing how the families sort of um, reacted to it and uh, how it worked um, in terms of outcome measurement and um, thankfully and uh, we got really good sort of feedback from it it was nice to see that we did have a an impact and um being able to support uh, the children and the families to spend more quality time together and um really improve that um ability to engage in things and activities that are meaningful to them um so that that was quite nice and in terms of the the pilot program itself i I kind of um, obviously drew sorry, guidance from the Occupational Performance Manual uh, and the guidelines written by Andrea. 
but in terms of the first sort of initial conversation that that was really um inspired by the work that i did when i was on placement and, and realizing that occupational performance coaching isn't a quick fix it's not um not an intervention that i i um would recommend for someone in crisis who's just looking to um, get a bit of information I think that 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 would fall under a more sort of traditional occupational therapy approach um, and being able to sort of support someone with information so really what what I made sure um, I did when we're, when we're working with families is is um, email them ensure that they were um, interested in occupational performance coaching and, and interested in learning a wee bit more about it and if it was applicable to them or suitable for them in their situation. So um, the initial sort of conversation I had with the families would be about 15 minutes long. It'd just be a, a, another Microsoft Teams call or telephone call just to outline what occupational performance coaching is in a, in a wee bit of a roundabout way, um, explaining that it's a eight or six session long um, intervention and we'd be looking to well for myself as a therapist my, my goal would be to sort of support the, the parent in um, supporting their children so support the parent in identifying difficulties problem solving um, action planning and um, reflecting on action and adapting it appropriately uh, to support the occupational performance goals um, or increasing the ability of the child and uh, engaging in their meaningful activities essentially that's what increasing mm-hmm. occupational performance goals is about so if um it was all appropriate which it tended to be um the families the first session would be really a goal setting session so we based the goal setting uh, on the copum the Canadian Occupational Performance Measure. So it's quite a, a handy um, sort of tool um, in terms of looking at um, outcome measures. There's um, families sort of ex- essentially talk um, through their average day um, with a sort of emphasis on particular difficulties they're having for the day in supporting their child. Or um, it can really be taken from from different angles, looking at um, trying to imagine the child's day or looking at the parent's day um, and tackling it from that point of view. Um, But it tended to be from the parent's point of view and looking at particular difficulties they had, uh, for example, whether that be brushing teeth, whether that be getting dressed in the morning, whether that be... Um, there's There's a whole range of different difficulties that a child can face throughout their day. Um, and that that would be the the basis for the the ongoing sessions. We'd identify particular difficulties, score their perform and uh, their the importance of um, the activity for the person, um, score the current performance on a scale from one to ten for the person, and score the uh, current satisfaction levels with the current performance. Sorry. Yeah. Um, then going on to the next session, it would really just be drawing from the goal setting session. There'd be a wee bit of more discussion and analysis of what's going on in the particular difficult areas um, with the view to develop a bit of an action plan uh, to try and test different sort of um, solutions uh, and sorry think up some solutions and going forward to support the child's performance in the certain um, challenge areas. 
and then it would really just be a, a reflection session uh, on how the, um, the action planning from the previous session went and then the development of that action plan to, to whittle out what, what went wrong, what went right, how do we reduce the risk of things going wrong, how do we increase the potential of things going right. And <coughs> by the end of the, the sessions, the parent would have developed the principles um, of how to best support the child through specific uh, occupational performance challenges with the view to be able to take these principles into the future. Um, they had, with the pilot session, we had a, an array of different uh, difficulties, whether that be um, supporting someone with routine and really digesting what, what were the components of the routine, doing a thing, um, an activity analysis, I guess, uh, of different activities, such as putting on shoes, whether that be um, getting the socks on and putting them on back to front and then looking looking at what what components we're actually trying to sort of support the child in doing um, and then coming up with a bit of a plan on how to how to best do that but it really comes from the parent um, I, I can't say that I, I can say <coughs> I got a good outcome but it was really the parents that got a good outcome yeah no, true. I guess, I guess yeah, that fits with everything you're saying, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. I I'd like to take the credit, but they did all the work. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I, as well. There's um, there's I mean, uh, like, there's a lot there in terms of that that you've even reflected on throughout the pilot, and kind of um, we've talked about since the pilot and everything about uh, just you know the importance of it being an occupational therapist that facilitated sessions and actually the more um you do learning and training in you know different um areas like even sensory regulation or for other you know whatever it may be the more that you're able to maybe steer the conversations and x y and z because there's a kind of common debate i guess that i've i've heard about always you know performance coaching is it just um quite a universal intervention is it you know can you do it with the masses do you even need to get too involved with people as well but I mean I do think it's and somebody made a good point which I I can still follow in many ways that the occupational performance coaching is quite a specialist thing because you have to have the kind of specialist knowledge and skills I mean not only as an occupational therapist but also as an OT with other knowledge um, and experience or training in different fields to to be the one to kind of um, you know encourage those conversations push those conversations a bit further maybe still give input in different areas but you know it's a specialist skill I think to um, yeah. to run the OPC sessions is the easy way of saying it I think. No I definitely think it is and I think that that kind of <coughs> as you're saying came to light when I was doing the sessions um the occupational performance coaching uh, when i when i was doing it i did a lot of sort of reflective work and and really trying to figure out what i was actually doing as an occupational performance coach and in occupational therapy the, the there's the model uh, that we use to sort of conceptualize our spheres of influence um, it's the person occupational uh, PEO model, person, occupation, environment. So with occupational performance coaching, I really felt that 
I was looking at the environment of the person because essentially the person that we're there to support is the child. Um, We do that via um, or by proxy of the parent, which is encapsulated in the environment sphere. Um, They support in fostering a supportive environment for the child to put their shoes on, for example. When it comes down to the occupational therapist specialist knowledge, as you're saying, if the the support the uh, environment can provide or the child's occupational performance goal is limited, um, then the occupational therapist has the specialist knowledge to understand the uh, ability to adapt the occupation and. If that's, that difficulty uh, needs a wee bit more context, then you can look at the person and look at um, potential sensory profile um, assessments or different assessments and, and provide a wee bit more context to what's going on to better support the environment and better support the sort of information there available for the parent um, and give context to the, the, the information available to the parent. So I do yeah. think that was something that... Um, we had a bit of discussion about when we first started the pilot program. Sorry. <coughs> when we first started the pilot program, because there was a wee bit of sort of, um, I wasn't too sure how much coaching and how, how, where the balance was between the coach and the therapy title. And it wasn't until we had that conversation, it was, I'm an occupational therapist using occupational performance coaching as a tool. And it just reminded me that this is, I'm not an occupational performance coach. I've not, uh, well, I am technically an occupational, but that's not my title. I'm using occupational performance coaching as a tool to support the parent. And that's where the diff, well, the, the importance of being able to understand the, the occupation and the theory behind occupation and the theory behind meaning and the theory behind behavioral um, support and um, sensory integration and all all that comes into play when to give context to the conversations that you have with the parents um, and whether that translates quite naturally in the conversation or it has to be sort of placed to better support the parent to come up with the solutions that's down to the, the occupational uh, the occupational performance coach and the therapists sort of weighing and understanding of the need uh, through conversation and I think it is it's a it's it is very specialist um I don't don't think an, an like I don't think a, a regular coach would be able to provide occupational performance coaching um, no. I don't mean that as in oh no one can do what I can do uh, I, I do think that it is a specialist occupational therapy mm. intervention that specialist knowledge to give context to what's going on yeah no and i think as well we need to um the you know age old thing as well is that OTs need to shout about like what they do how they do it how well they do it as well otherwise there's no uniqueness to ot and people then think physios are just ot's and or you know that's a whole big big thing anyway isn't it so i think it's definitely you know it's a bit of jargon having Mm -hmm. occupational performance in front of the word coaching but it claims it very much as an ot's job isn't it you know and i think that's that's kind of central as we said it's occupation is central in the model and everything like that too so i think it's it very much sits there um 
I have, um, I, I mean, I've summarised this because obviously you've worked with this uh, young person and this family, so I've very much, very, very much just summarised this with um, a case for one of the young people, uh, M, we'll call him because that's just what it's put as here. I'm pretty sure the family would be fine with us using names and everything anyway. But the case study that I've presented on the report here um kind of details and again you don't need to go into exactly everything that he did with his with his um parents over the sessions or anything but it's i think this is quite a kind of nice way of summarizing a lot of what you're saying in terms of even how how you went through the process with them as well but i've got here um under the case that um you know operates a very rigid schedule has little to no flexibility within it and any deviation from this has the potential to trigger strong emotional responses um, is heavily dependent on parents to dress and undress like socks and shoes uh, despite being physically able to um, you know on his own as well so you know he's, he's able to do it but um, parents um, are eager to explore increasing flexibility within um, his routine to hopefully reduce pressure on his anxiety but improve the overall well-being for the whole family that's obviously a kind of short way of what your um, first few conversations were in the detail of what was put into the challenges there but um, you know for the purposes of the report as well it was very much put that um, those were the kind of key challenges identified and it's interesting that I've kind of again shown the difference in the copying from the start to the final so you can see that the performance and satisfaction uh, well first of all the priority for um, working on putting on socks and shoes was a nine that's one of the highest it could could be and the performance for that was low at two and the satisfaction for that was very very low at one and then again the kind of other main identified thing at, at an eight to to work on was the flexibility and daily uh, routine and the performance for that was four and then the satisfaction for that was one um cut to the end of it which was the final copum um outcome measurement scoring and again it's still high on a priority of you know what why they wanted to uh, measure it but interestingly the one about socks and shoes that was a two and a one has gone up to a, a performance eight and a satisfaction 10 so there's a huge jump there in the performance um occupational performance of somebody doing that but then the satisfaction of that has increased up to the you know f almost from the lowest to the top um, which is really really nice to see and the um bit about the daily routine has again gone from a four and a one to an eight and a ten so again, that shows his real kind of quant. If I guess if you're measuring measuring it quantitatively, that's not the right way of saying it, is it? But um, numbers wise, it's gone up. It's gone up, which is great. Yeah. Um, and I think I've put a bit there about how best practice. You know, we kind of put a lot of things in line with the Gerfic model, getting it right for every child, and um, how information was shared. Um, don't know if I can't remember if you were at the the TAC, the team around the child meeting, or if that was just one of the uh, students who was on placement. But, you know, there's a lot of that kind of interdisciplinary MDT work and yeah. um, to kind of share the results and, you know, all the different people involved um, were kind of aware of, okay, this, you know, what's next now after the coaching and how has the coaching helped as well. So I think that's a really important thing that, you know, you and um, we and all were, were able 
to do as part of the kind of bigger picture for this young person as well. But there's some nice um, reflect. I mean, obviously there's other feedback anyway, but there's some nice <laughs> reflections that I've uh, recorded in the report as well. And there's a nice quote there where it says, and I thought this was quite a nice uh, overarching kind of thing where it says, now we can all enjoy family fun time and experience normal everyday activities with less stress and anxiety, which I assume means for the whole family as well, not just for, for M. Um, and they said here how M's parents have reflected about how meaningful the coaching sessions have been for them, I guess, on two different levels. First, they feel M is less anxious and can function better throughout um, his day across different environments. Um, and naturally, they are much happier that their son is happier and healthier. However, arguably more importantly, M's parents feel their own health and well-being has significantly improved. They feel that they've developed the skills needed to continue implementing strategies by themselves at home as other challenges arise in the future. And they feel that they have more time for themselves and their other child who can often, as they say, fade into the background whilst they're trying to work with uh, M, obviously, because then a lot of the attention probably automatically goes on to him as well. So um, I thought, I'm saying M quite a lot, aren't I? but I thought that was a really nice case as yeah. a brief summary of a case but i thought that that's nice and i wanted to highlight that in the in the um in what i've created to highlight you know the process and the um, evaluation of of the pilot itself there are other things we can kind of finish with in a minute about kind of different social impacts as well but i thought you know that's that's what i've gathered from from your notes from everything else as well but i guess is that um is that quite an accurate thing about that person you were working with, I guess? And is there any other kind of reflections you've got about that or some similarities with other families who have also kind of, you know, felt that they've got something out of the coaching from, from your experience working with them? Yeah, I think there was a, um, there was a bit of a, that, that was an interesting uh, family. It was a it was a really really nice sort of outcome. Really nice, um, really nice family to work with and see see that from start to finish. And um, I think going forward, I think that they they'll they'll be able to take the sort of the principles that we as as I've said and <laughs> the theme of this taking the principles and put it into other places. But I, I think that. Um, when I first had a discussion with M's um, family and parents, it was very much um, they were having a bit of difficulty around shifting meal times. So it was really dinner was the initial difficulty and looking at um, eh, making making sure that M had dinner on time. And if it was five minutes off or 10 minutes off it, there was a lot of sort of, of an emotional response from him and um that's where <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's where the the difficulty started i'm realizing i'm saying um quite a lot as well um <laughs> so it's one of those things that's just a uh, word yeah. that is used all the time <laughs> so when we sort of discussed the difficulty further and I, I mean it's quite a an unusual one for occupational performance coaching because the, the literature in occupational performance coaching it, it really highlights the fact that it should be a solution-based approach and the goals going forward from 
uh, the first initial goal setting session should be very tangible. They should be very doing goals. Um, for example, um, my son will go to football three times a week, essentially. It should be very, very tangible and um, with the with the goal to sort of look look at how we can best support that. Whereas this took a very sort of... Um, the goal was very... I don't want to say airy-fairy. It wasn't. It was... We were looking at supporting the... Um, or reducing anxiety around... Uh, adapting routine which isn't very tangible um, and had the potential to be quite unfocused but it was just we myself and the the parent took a wee bit of time to make sure that we were both on the same page with with what, what we were trying to achieve it was finding the words to, to to put it down and I don't know if that was just me being a novice occupational therapist or um, it, just not being able to be put down in words properly but it, it seemed that we were both looking at routine and how the child interacted with the routine, where they got the concept of routine from and how we could potentially alter that to reduce anxieties around the changing of routine. And it really came down to looking at where they were basing timings from and <laughs> where that came from. And it was very much the, the principles of routine are quite good, especially with children with uh, ASD to re uh, increase sort of calming um, and give the, the person a bit of uh, reliability in terms of they, they know what they're doing and, and where they're going and what time they're doing it. Um, the difficulty lay with that was, and it was identified by the parent, was the times were set on a hour by hour basis. They were set on the time of the clock, which meant that things had to be done at a specific time um, and that 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 idea didn't come about in the first session it was very much just sort of di dissecting what was going on and 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 looking at sort of the, where the emotional triggers came from and and um, where the anxieties came from <coughs> so when so when we decided to try and change the routine or the documentation of the routine to make it a wee bit more broad in terms of instead of having dinner at six o'clock say we'd have dinner in the evening and we'd go to bed at night and just broadening out those sort of parameters around routine and it wasn't necessarily um, a traditional occupational performance or occupational performance coaching goal as as such it wasn't uh, that doing orientated goal um but the parent was able to sort of think through the problem and they really did a a, a great job in um problem solving going on and identifying the problem uh where 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 we could have um adapted things and how to best suit the family in order to reduce the anxiety around engaging in that routine um, and it was quite a nice outcome because it essentially supported everyone, as, as we're saying. It, it allowed them to, to create that sort of family fun time environment where there was no pressure to to get things done at a certain time. And um, and with the, with the risk of uh, causing an emotional response. Um, <coughs> 
so yeah, that that was that was quite a nice uh, goal uh, and quite a nice story. But the um, in a more traditional sense, the um, donning of the shoes and socks. I guess that that was really that really goes down to your traditional um, <laughs> goal where you're you're putting on your shoes and socks. Again, that was a more traditional activity analysis as um, as occupational therapists and occupational therapy uh, theory sort of coins it and um, looking at the activity and looking at what um, sensory needs um, were there and what the child was having particular difficulty with in the um, in the activity whether you're looking at a behavioral thing where you're looking at a motivational side of thing whether you're looking at the sensory needs and um, I can't remember the specifics but I can remember that um, the parent was they, they were really good at developing these or understanding the, the child's needs, which most parents are um, really quite good at figuring out where their child's uh, strengths and where their uh, child's having most difficult difficulties with. <coughs> and we were able to sort of have those discussions around how to adapt the activity uh, or adapt the environment. I think with with them, actually, it's coming back to me that um, they were having difficulty putting on socks and the um, <laughs> the parent was saying that they, um, they managed to, to um, put the, their dad's socks on. So we just sort of um, looked at putting their dad's socks on to get familiarise the action and then um, we slowly introduced with a grading approach um, their socks and uh, with the with a view to building it into routine and um, it resonated with the with them quite well and uh, we managed to to go forward from there and mm. uh, increase their occupational performance um, and the satisfaction. So it was a really nice story and um, a really nice family to work with. Um, so. I think that the 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 lesson that that sort of taught me in in occupational performance coaching and probably more generally as an occupational perform uh, as an occupational therapist is that these um, these tools and these interventions can be adapted uh, to suit the person and it shouldn't be the other way around in terms of yeah. that met that family's need. Um, and it was using the principles of occupational performance coaching um, and considering the mental health needs of both the, the parent the, and the child in terms of their anxieties and really looking to support that. And I feel like um, going forward, we, we managed, to, managed to have a big impact on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, managed like that. To get there. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, that's really nice. Um, way of putting it, and I think as you as you were chatting, there, I was I was trying to picture in my head. It would actually be nice to have, um, if any of the parents or carers wanted to, to actually get them to chat about their experience and actually have a bit more deep dive into, um, the sessions and the assessments <coughs> or the kind of goals that were set and all that as well. Because I think there's so many. Obviously, you work with different people, so that's just one example. And actually, it's that person is quite a good example because as you said there's a range of your typical ot stuff compared to your kind of 
you know, broader, which is probably more important. And actually, I think that's what they commented on being a bit more important to them, actually, the outcome of the broader stuff and a general routine being um, not rigid and all, you know, all that other stuff. So I think there's there's so much potential there to kind of deep dive into this um, and actually hear kind of from the parent carers themselves who were taking part in the coaching. So that's that's definitely something we can we can kind of try and go into more detail about um in, in other podcasts and in future ones as well so that would be interesting the um kind of end stages of the report that um i did well i mean you wrote actually a, a lot of it and i kind of helped you and just added on my own bits as well but the um uh, you know the kind of rounding up of that i guess was you know i'm not going to read it out because the report is, will be online as well but the kind of quick fire feedback which i thought was nice from all the different families that did take part um and who answered the feedback survey um it was you know and again i've kind of taken like photo evidence of this as well so it's not just like it's like me typing it that it's um on the report that actually every single person so 100 percent of people um said that actually the coaching sessions did have a positive uh, impact on the health and well-being of themselves and or the child so probably about them all because there wasn't any other comments about that as well um interestingly some of the parents that weren't able to um engage with you fully and or throughout the whole process maybe halfway through or whatever um were for different reasons but you know a lot of the kind of themes of those reasons really were about um the kind of maybe being too busy or too burnt out to participate or not having the time and things like that. And I think that I wanted to kind of highlight in the report as well that I thought actually it's quite ironic about the intervention being about trying to trying to make time, trying to do this. And maybe there is bits around people maybe not valuing it as an intervention as well. And that's the thing to reflect on and learn about as well. But I thought it's interesting that, um, you know, that is still a barrier to participating in this um, and maybe maybe there are some cases where some other people wanted to almost feel like they're getting somebody to come help them fix something as opposed to participating in a kind of longer process as well. Some of the other um, kind of stats and, you know, outputs of the survey, I guess, was that 100% of the parent carers uh, reported um, that the skills developed over the course of the sessions will be carried forward into their daily lives as well. So that's really good to hear and that... Um, they didn't actually necessarily want any changes to the way that the coaching was done by you because they thought you were all really um, professional, really approachable, really good. But then some of them did propose that fortnightly or longer would actually be quite mm-hmm. quite useful. <clears throat> Pardon me, because then that would take a bit more time for them to put into practice what was being talked about as well. And um, there was some other stuff about, you know, when we asked how the sessions helped, People have kind of provided a bit more qualitatively, um, kind of word-wise, that you know you had made me feel supported and helped improve my capacity to uh, support my son. People have a much better understanding of why uh, behaviours were presenting in this way, and um, the coaching provided somebody to share my thought process with, and somebody to empathise, empathise with our situation, and to bounce. Um, ideas off this helped organize my thoughts and make a plan for what I should do next as well and um then this was the better kind of guess moving on to like what's the kind of next stages was that interestingly 100% of all the people that took the survey said that they would like to have ongoing coaching support even if it was reduced to 
like a, well I mean we've given options and people selected that could be that it's within packages like blocks of um, however many sessions or that they would pay per session um, whether that's them funding it or whether that's kind of being funded by organizations or NHS councils you know social work teams things like that it doesn't really matter but there would be one-offs like that instead of blocks or actually people would kind of sign up to it a bit like a membership kind of sub subscription model a bit like a gym I guess is that what I'm reading right so um yeah so I guess a bit like a membership model that way people would um and we actually have that for our rebound sessions as well so people would um potentially see that as a as a way of keeping going with some of the coaching because they obviously found that it was a very useful thing so I guess that itself kind of goes back to what we said earlier about it being more of a ongoing self-management self-help type um approach as well so um there's obviously i guess just just here from the pilot that we've just said obviously good results good outcomes but i mean all of this is really embedded in the research um in real kind of real um literature and research as well isn't it so i think that that just kind of further highlights um you know the the increased potential for OPC across different places, but I guess that kind of tailors it very much to us as a service and how can OPC be taken forward by us. Um, so I think there's a few kind of things to think about there, isn't there? So um, it's definitely yeah. something we've already thought about. And as we mentioned, you're already on the next block of kind of coaching sessions and even you're seeing some differences and some, similarities and whatever so i think it will be interesting to kind of you know reflect on the first block keep that in mind and keep learning from this block as well to then just see um what else comes up i guess yeah no definitely i think that we can we can only just keep on developing and, and going forward with with what we've learned and uh, take that on and see how we best can support the parents in the uh, in the next block um yeah it's, it's it's been an enjoyable um experience from my point of view and it's nice to see uh such nice feedback from from the families uh obviously it's it's so that, that's why we get into these uh, these roles as therapists is to see nice results and um, mm-hmm. yeah hope, hopefully we can continue that going forward yeah no i think i think so and i think there's um you know, in, interestingly, I think that um, I can kind of round up this with, again, not going to read out every bit on the report, but I think that kind of it's it's a nice way to kind of consider this. And I don't know whether many people do consider all these different factors that come into. I guess you know we're we're not saying fully fund a whole new a whole new business that sets up just doing OPC or whatever. But you know, us as a existing service, um, there's so many factors that we need to think about in terms of how we can do. Um, how we can do OPC and I think that's the wording that I was using earlier about okay well OPC is great we're convinced on it we're we're sold on it already but actually how do we carry on doing it and um, you know I've I've kind of summarized um, as almost like a bit of a kind of take-home message in the report as well very much about the main considerations regarding kind of doing coaching um, as in the service as a kind of um, thing in itself because uh, obviously we do the therapeutic play sessions and the rebound therapy sessions and maybe you know we could do coaching 
elements within those types of sessions, but not really, especially if you're going to follow the COPM and do OPC properly. So um, I, I guess there's a difference there between taking coaching approach in our practice, which we will probably always continue to do. And I'd probably argue that we've always adopted a um, inclusive coaching approach, but really to maintain doing OPC in the future, I think some of the main points that I've um, tried to identify also for the benefit of me applying for future funding because there are opportunities for for future funds to kind of help us um you know with costs and things towards that so some of the main points i've made are that actually if we're being realistic about it being an occupational therapist that's delivering these sessions you've got to consider the pay point of that and obviously you kind of at an entry level have a band five coming in let alone probably getting a experienced OT therefore they're probably going to be at a band six level or something like that therefore that salary cost range ranges from at least currently at least anyway the band five rates are starting at about twenty six thousand pound a year and band six starting at about thirty three thousand pound a year as well so even if you know you did that like what you are one day a week type thing that's still going to be however many hundred pound per month and, and whatever anyway so there's all those costs that are um, having somebody's got to pay that therefore who where is that coming from and how is that being paid as well but I think as we've kind of touched upon and not really necessarily kind of explored too much in this episode but just about the kind of independent well I mean there's always we are in well I'm an independent therapist and I guess this is an independent service but actually everybody that works for us isn't necessarily independent OTs but especially when it comes to the kind of clinical supervision side of things we you know we might need to and we regularly do outsource and I think you did get this from a you know a bit of supervision and external help from Liz who herself is an independent OT and that in itself comes with a price tag as well in terms of the charges that you pay to to get an occupational therapist so that's kind of on top of these extra kind of fees as well and there's there's a range of um, you know um, OPC training and we luckily have the manual that was created and um um, we have a guidance to work by, but, um, you know, we you, you've also been put through um, the OPC training, which is great. And although that's more optional, I still think if you're going to bother with OPC, you, you want to take on as much learning as you can, can't you? So I think there's the OPC training that, you know, we would recommend even um, you probably doing more of if there's a budget and uh, capacity there for that as well. So there's, I guess, the kind of cost of the person and the people and, you know, there's other core running costs, um, like even just if you're going to do it online, you need a laptop, you need internet, you need Wi-Fi, you need a license to Teams or Zoom or antivirus. And there's, you know, all these other kind of hidden costs and things like that, yeah, too. Yeah, but yeah. I think one of the things that you also reflected on with them be kind of having um, some level of an admin support or even just having some technology in place that kind of helps with um kind of the the admin side of of ot or the admin side of just um i guess that kind of ties in with where are you going to store your notes or is it an online system and all that type of stuff as well so i think there's other kind of things to consider there which isn't an obvious an obvious choice um but the only other kind of main consideration would actually be you know obviously everything's online right now and actually it's very easy because you can just pick up and choose um to contact people and rearrange and book people in when it suits them and people can phone from the comfort of their own house or just in between <laughs> quick calls and in between other things that they're doing so i think we always want to have that flexibility of offering online but you know some people there's you know 
some people prefer face to face and there's obviously proven reasons why face to face is you know useful um and it works well and as you said there's a lot of peer to peer you know benefits from being kind of with others and all that as well so if we ever got to doing face to face sessions then even that in itself is that going to be in our office well we need to book out space for that or do we have to go somewhere else you know even if you're doing it in a cafe you've probably got to have some level of a risk assessment completed to then say you know um okay well are you fine with using names here or because you're in a public space obviously you're with the family themselves and they're consenting to go to the cafe but it's just silly little things like you've got to always really kind of consider and plan these things and you know it's time it's money it's whatever so i think there's um you know because yeah, this almost sounds like it's a bit a bit more of a negative isn't it in terms of finishing on a negative but it isn't but i think it's just these yeah. are the realistic things that um you know i guess if we're talking about us implementing it and kind of encouraging others to try it and kind of implement it too. I think it's 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 these things that you have to think about, isn't it? I guess in terms of doing OPC. Um, no, definitely. I think it's it's relatively simple to to look at from the from a surface surface level, but as you say, the the complexity of right. So I'm getting um, supervised by Liz. Um, I have the sort of admin potential of. Um, the admin support in Bounced. I have um, yourself to sort of um, have more regular sort of meetings with team meetings to ensure that the sort of caseload uh, and the passing on of information between sessions, um, like rebound sessions and coaching sessions. I've got um, obviously the laptop, as you're saying, the internet, um, ensuring that the person's appointments are all booked in in terms of the calls and the um, emails are all answered and um, yeah it's 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 a simple sorry it's, it's simple to say oh we call each other uh, once a week or once every two weeks um, but the the behind the scenes um, it's a lot more complex than um, then it might it might seem <laughs> yeah, yeah and i think that's the same for any any service any type of um you know um services that we're offering and others are offering as well so but there's always there's always things to think about but um yeah no these are definitely um interesting points that have been made but i think it's, it's something we're carrying on with it's something that we we you know actively encourage others to kind of look at in, in a bit more depth and try and um, put into practice if, if they if they can as well. I think what's interesting is that we've kind of created our own logo um, for the coaching that's in our branding and whatever as well. So it's kind of a, that was done also as a kind of, as a way to make it like a fixture in, in our services. So when we put it on a website, or social media or when we kind of start to promote the coaching as a service in itself it's kind of taken seriously in many ways even as a um as a kind of thing that the ot's do or or that um you know it's not just a a little project now or a side yeah. thing. we want it to it's be a viable as, project um, yeah yeah it's <laughs> to be seen as a standalone thing that we can offer as well so that's um blue and yellow branding that we've got done which actually looks really nice so it's definitely something we're going to kind of continue building on. And I've actually got funding applications due over the next kind of few weeks that might be, you know, building further capacity to even bring on um, 
don't know if I told you this or not, but we were thinking of how we could try and fund um, you and or even kind of more OT time, but also getting in um, an OT Mm -hmm. assistant type person, because you know how we've previously had that model where there was Catherine on placement that helped with OPC recently and things like, or she at least shadowed OPC recently as well, that we thought actually maybe adopting that model where you get an OT leading this, but actually kind of an OT student or an OT level kind of person still doing elements of OPC actually might help with service delivery too. So that's not for now, but that's that's something also that we're kind of exploring too in these kind of mm-hmm. uh, funding applications as well. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, where it goes. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, I think it's interesting, especially as I, I quite like when uh, students get involved in OPC because I think it's it's quite a nice um, nice intervention for a, an office occupational therapist to be involved in in terms of um, seeing outcome um, especially over because uh, student placements usually around eight weeks uh, typically and typically uh, um, the OPC sessions uh, bounce for about six weeks um, so some of the students were able to see it from start to finish and it was really nice to sort of bounce ideas off of them and uh, really see what their thinking was, what their clinical reasoning was, and uh, see how they sort of work as an occupational therapist and adapt the occupational performance coaching theory. It's it's, it's really it, yeah, it's it's quite a, a nice um, thing for for an occupational therapist to to put into practice and and see how how their knowledge can be imparted to support occupational uh, performance in a in a really hands on way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Well, I can round up there and then say thank you very much for your time and for all your, yeah. your <laughs> chat about this. Um, thank you for having me. Thanks.